0: There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses.
1: It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi Fi portfolio managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well,
2: good morning. Thank you for listening. Hi Fi Radio, Global News Radio 640 in Toronto. Your host, Wolfgang Klein. Here for the cause of helping me make a little bit more money is Jack Hartle as well. And it's Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, one of my favorite weekends of the year, I must say. Uh, hopefully spend some time with the family, eat some turkey. Apparently, Jack, what was that recall of uh, some chicken that you caught from Loblaws? Don't eat the chicken nuggets or something? Here, is it? I, don't, I
3: don't know if it's the chicken nuggets, but they yeah, they had a chicken recall, salmonella. Um, luckily, we're going to be eating turkey this weekend, so it should be fine. But, um, you know, buyer beware, I guess I
2: Electric cars uh, are here to stay. Uh, I see a nice billboard for the new Audi uh, electric car that's coming to market in, I guess, a few weeks or a few months. And it said, We didn't invent it, we perfected it. It's so Germanic of them. Um, but to uh, run those cars, you need some lithium in them. And uh, we have Jean Sebastien Lavalle, chairman and CEO of Critical Elements, in the studio. It's a uh, Quebec based uh, lithium project. Um, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you very much. Wolf?
2: Uh, I tell you, um, the lithium market is a unique market because I, I, there's, there's an ETF that I've been watching, Lit, L-I-T, uh, Trades in the States. Right, Jack? It's a, that's a U.S. Uh, ETF? Yeah, the that's L-I-T, yeah. And it has a list of various lithium producers on it and showing the weight of it. So the biggest holding in that is FMC Corp. Never heard of them. Next name is Albemarle Corp. Never heard of them. And you go down the list and I say, gee whiz, Samsung. Uh, 7% uh, weighting in it, obviously they're in the lithium business, Panasonic in the lithium business, and Tesla, of course, in the lithium business. I don't see any other automotive companies on the list. So, uh, your company is a pure play lithium story?
4: Yeah, our company is based in Quebec. Uh, we have a project that will produce lithium in future for uh, the electric market uh, in general. Uh, you, you talk about a few companies like Albemolly. Uh, just to mention, Albemali was the uh, and still the largest lithium producer in the world, from which on our team uh, we have Stefan Aber. Dr. Aber was the CEO and president of Rockwood Lithium that was acquired by Mali. So uh, we have a really strong team to develop that project that will supply the EV market for the future.
2: Interesting. Well, it's, it's, it's funny because when you look at the statistics of the amount of cars on the road today, um, Globally, it's a big number. I think in America, there's, I think, 250 or 280 million registered vehicles. In Canada, there's 30... Near, nearly 30 registered vehicles, i.e. one per person. Uh, it's off the charts. Uh, electric car market is still less than 1% of that market. But uh, consumers' tastes, they're changing, right? They're, they're going towards
3: those electric vehicles. They're demanding them. Uh, the Ontario government took away the subsidies uh, that they had uh, previously, the, the green subsidies for electric vehicles. Um, and I still think that, obviously, demand is going to grow exceptionally and exponentially in, in this space, right? And, and because of that, you're seeing some of the traditional... Car manufacturers uh, being forced actually to to move into electric vehicle space.
2: Yeah, well, it's obviously a very very important category, and it's a growth category. As you said, and this this rate of change, uh, the manufacturing of batteries is well uh, taking on a new form, shall I say? And there's a lot. Involved in battery manufacturing, we've had on uh, was it a graphite uh, manufacturer, Jack, or cobalt manufacturer before in the show? We've had both, but I think the graphite one is the one you're referring right. to, anyways. So, so, so graphite key component, lithium key component, nickel key component, cobalt key component. Throw some magnesium and aluminum in there. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully, you're electrocuted.
4: Yeah, but the lithium lithium's still the the bigger part of the battery, is it? Yeah, is a bigger part of the battery. And uh, talking about the market. Uh, th- there was a news that just came out this morning about the uh, European Union, the parliament, that just vote uh, reduction by 40% by 2030 uh, of the CO2 emission uh, versus 30%, really to force the automaker to um, put their car on the road. And we, we saw a big announcement by, let's say, BMW, Volkswagen, Ford. Uh, just Volkswagen plan to have between two and three million car production by 2025 uh if if we put in perspective uh the lithium demand uh we're talking about 50 kilos per car of lithium wow that's a lot of weight isn't it 50 kilos
2: yeah and and the entire battery pack now for a typical car uh, when you throw in the graphite and the magnesium the aluminum uh what's the all-in weight a couple hundred pounds, I guess? Uh, it's a
4: couple of hundred kilos. couple
2: hundred kilos yeah. of weight. Well, wow. Yeah. Remarkable, yeah. eh? And uh, how about the cost? Because uh, getting
3: back to, you know, consumers' taste changing, um, a part of that is the cost, right? Right now, uh, it is relatively expensive to produce a battery pack, the motor that goes in an electric vehicle, compared to a traditional um, internal combustion engine. Uh, the numbers I've heard, they were 30,000, they've come down to 10. Uh, sounds like internal combustion engines are in and around Five to six thousand dollars. So when is the electric vehicle and the motor that drives it going to be competitive with that?
4: But the projection are that the the price for combust- combustion or battery will be equivalent in twenty twenty five.
3: Right, and that's to produce. And then on the back end, apparently the service, from what I understand, is a lot less uh, with the electric vehicles.
4: Yeah, the service there is mainly no maintenance. There is no oil change. That uh, the the, the brake will be uh, longer longevity because the electric mo- motor is stopping the car
2: we're in studio with uh, jean sebastian lavalet he's the chairman and ceo of critical elements critical elements is a lithium story uh deposit up in james bay um jack was just doing a little bit of homework on lithium
4: itself uh jean uh is it mined or is it produced it's mine first Mm -hmm. you you mine the ore the rock there's Mm -hmm. two type of deposit there's the brines and there's the rock deposit. Uh, The advantage of the rock deposit is that you can produce directly hydroxide, lithium hydroxide that is uh, the favorite material to produce high density batteries. So there's an advantage to the hard rock deposit that are found in Canada and Australia. Well,
2: Jean-Sebastien Lavalais, chairman and CEO of Critical Elements, we're going to pay some commercials around here, run some commercials around here, pay some bills. Uh, It allows us to uh, put on this show for our listeners. It's a show about money. It's Hi-Fi Radio, and it will be back right after this.
1: Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. today from my friends You're in my head I'm so That's okay, so are you so
2: Welcome back to the show, Hi-Fi Radio. And in studio we have Jean-Sebastien Lavallee. He is the chairman and CEO of Critical Elements. Critical Elements is a lithium company. Uh, that song, of course, was about lithium uh, the drug uh, for people who are bipolar um, is the drug derived then from the, the same product that's in the rock that you're mining. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So uh, in terms of supply and demand for lithium, because uh, demand is increasing for for electric cars at uh, double digit rates, but I guess demand's increased by about fifty percent a year right now. Massive growth rate coming off a very small base. Um, but how well can the automotive companies meet their demand? For batteries and battery components. Is, is there surplus? Is there shortage? How well is the market being met? I think it's, we have to be in a shortage in this stuff, I think.
4: Well, right now, there is a real shortage. Uh, the major producer are trying to increase capacity. There's real challenge to uh, increase capacity from a chemical plan. As I explained a bit earlier, you need to, the majority of supply is coming from brine deposit where they have to pump water, evaporate water, taking time. And there is a chemistry challenge uh, from hard rock deposit is faster and easier to get the lithium out um, and to produce lithium hydroxide will be uh, 15, around 15% cheaper because we can do it like directly.
2: So when are you going to start producing uh, your first kilo? Uh, we're not talking marijuana, we're talking lithium, by the way, uh, at critical elements.
4: Our target to production is by the end of 2020.
2: Well, that's not too far away.
4: It's uh, about two years. Two years.
2: And uh, in year one, uh, how many kilos do you uh, hope to manufacture or produce?
4: Well, our plan is to produce about 25,000 tons of lithium carbonate equivalent. And what kind of
2: revenue would that generate?
4: I will generate about 250 million revenue.
2: And and how long is, is is the asset itself? In other words, how long can you mine? Uh, your, your dep- it's up in James Bay, is it?
4: Yeah, it's in James Bay with all infrastructure, and the reserve, the actual reserve, are long for seventeen years of production.
2: Seventeen years, and so after, after which point the the project is mothballed, and you move on with a drill bit and look for some more lithium. But we way.
4: we already have multiple other zones at surface that can be drilled. For now, seventeen years is already a uh, generation long. But we plan in future when we'll generate profit to use some profit and drill other zone to increase my life
2: to keep the mine life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're in studio with a uh, room studio with Jean Sebastien Lavalle. Uh, he's with a lithium company, a Canadian company. And you know Canada's one thing very very well. We do commodities very very well. Safe jurisdiction. We understand commodities. Uh, your permitting is obviously all taken care of. That's all behind you now. Uh, it's underway right now.
4: Oh, you continue to seek permits? Yeah, yeah, we're working on the permit. This is what we're working, uh, permit and project financing to start construction next summer.
3: So, And, and talking to some of the uh, the traditional automakers, um, uh, do, you, do you already have contracts in place? How, how are the negotiating negotiations going there? And then in terms of pricing, um, are you already pricing it out? And has it been like sold in futures? Or how do you guys manage that?
4: This is part of our project financing that we're working on right now. Uh, we're in discussion with multiple uh, different groups from uh, the, the full spec of the battery industry, so cattle manufacturers, uh, car manufacturers, battery manufacturers, and we're working with them to put together offtake agreement and project financing.
2: So you may sell direct to your end end user, if you can align that type of a deal. But like,
4: in general, the uh, producer of lithium will sell direct to end user. It won't, it
2: won't go to a co-op. It won't go to a grain handler, so to speak. It doesn't operate that way
4: yet. In the past, yes. There was like trading house, but more and more, uh, as it's a uh, very tight market, the let's say the battery manufacturer will prefer to secure long-term agreement with let's say a producer to make sure that they will have security of supply and uh, certain warranties on the pricing. Um, tell me something, planet Earth, mother Earth uh Is it loaded with lithium on the on the herd, but there's a lot of lithium, but none of the deposit are the deposits are not all the same, and you need to find like the 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 right grade, the consistency, and the the mining structure to make sure that it's economic Of course, of course and are these open pit to, uh, is it an
2: open pit project or is it an actual mine shaft
4: It's an open pit project
2: uh-huh and uh once the pit is dug and the lithium is removed uh reclamation uh how how do you go about that but
4: there's a rehabilitation program for the project so then the the pit will make a lake it'll turn into a lake yep it's funny because up in halliburton uh, where cottage is um
2: it sits the little restaurant sits on uh, what i thought was a lake but it's actually an old man-made pit from a sawmill um yeah (laughs) and in terms of reclamation um all these batteries
3: that are going to be used over the next 50 years there's going to be a lot of waste once the the life of the battery is exhausted. Um, what's the process? Is there a process for recycling them, or how do we dispose of all these batteries that are going to be in these cars over the next 50 to 100 years? Cause there's
4: going to be a lot of them. There's a lot of work right now on the recycling of lithium, uh, but it will need a certain volume of battery before it will make it economical. economic.
2: But at some point,
4: we will go down that road, do you believe, and recycle it? Yep.
2: Well, uh, jean Sebastian Lavallée, I actually enjoy saying your name because I say it quite well. Uh, you're the chairman and CEO of Critical Elements. Uh, it is a lithium story. It's in Ontario, James. sorry, Quebec, James Bay. Uh, trades on the Toronto Venture. Uh, what's the price of your stock uh, right now? Uh, 80 cents. It's an 80-cent 80, 80 stock. The symbol is uh, – the symbol. oh, you, you trade on two, two exchanges, I see. So the symbol is CRE uh, on the Toronto Venture Exchange. I said CRE, Critical Elements. Uh, uh, please, it, our analyst uh, c- covers the story. It is a speculative name, obviously, because you're not producing any money. I want to buyer beware. Uh, but you know, something often you have to look to the right when everyone's looking to the left. And I can tell that there's still not a lot of attention to your story. And we're looking at marijuana stocks right now. At some point, these, these things wake up. Uh, these speculative names all of a sudden end up getting become you know dollar stocks. Uh, not serious talking. It's like
3: the old saying on Wall Street: you buy buy when it's quiet and sell when it's a ride. Sell when it's a ride. You do want to buy good quality assets always.
2: Absolutely. Uh, real pleasure having you in studio. We're going to bring you back and uh, as your project unfolds, uh, learn more about uh, uh, critical elements. And uh, Jean-Sébastien LaVallée did a great job. Thank you very kindly. Thank you. Yeah. Coming up next, we're going to talk fashion. Uh, Jodi Goodfellow, uh, she is the founder of Startup Fashion Week right after
1: this. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
2: Welcome back. Hi-Fi Radio 640 in Toronto. I'm just waiting for Jeannie Becker to show up. Uh, <laughs> we got Jack Hartle in the studio. And uh, yes, a little talk on fashion. I like fashion. I think fashion is great. And Toronto is a big, big fashion market. It's important uh, to the, the Toronto uh, business landscape. And uh, who none better than talk to us about uh, fashion moving forward is a lady named Jody Goodfellow, uh, founder of Startup Fashion Week. Uh, welcome to the show, Jody.
5: Thank you for having me. Yeah,
2: so so tell us about Startup Fashion Week. What is it?
5: Well, it is a week happening in October here in Toronto. Um, we are having a five-day event, October fifteen to nineteen. Nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, It launched five years ago in 2014, and I launched Startup Fashion Week after having failed as a fashion startup business owner myself Mm -hmm. and realized how difficult it was to break into this industry here in Canada. And I wanted to create a platform for other entrepreneurs like myself who were looking for exposure and opportunities to meet um, like-minded entrepreneurs and industry players as well. So we're really excited about our event coming up here in Toronto again. We are hosting uh, an exclusive designer dinner on the first night. And then we have our media launch opening party on October 16th, uh, as well as a business of fashion conference on October 17th with some really amazing speakers talking about law, business law, uh, media, PR, that sort of thing. And then on the 18th, we're hosting a new event about gender and fashion. We have some exciting speakers at that event as well, talking about how um, gender and fashion and um, all of those things kind of go hand in hand and some really hot topics actually right now. To say the least. Yeah, definitely. Um, And not just about like fashion in terms of clothing, but also we have a keynote speaker, Kristen Rankin. She's a hair salon owner here in Toronto. And she's also the founder of something called the Dress Code Project. So she talks about how um, you know, even as a hair salon owner and a hairstylist, um, you have to be very aware of, of gender because a lot of, a lot of salons, you know, price their, um, you know, hairstyles and, and cuts and things like that, according to gender. Um, so she's trying to create more awareness about being more sensitive to that. Um, so it's going to be a very interesting, um, discussion. subtle, subtle, yeah. very subtle. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Um, And then, of course, on the 19th, we have our runway show where we feature um, 10 designers from Canada as well as two tech startups on the runway. Oh, my.
2: Uh, We're in studio with Jody Goodfellow. Uh, She's the founder of Startup Fashion Week. Uh, It is a fashion event that takes place in both Toronto and Montreal, taking place in Toronto October 15th to the 19th. So it's on your website. I noticed basically three silos of activity. Uh, There is the fashion shall I say the designers in other words, <laughs> yeah, right? <exactly>. the fashion <laughs> sure. the designers uh, then there is of course the industry experts yeah uh, and then you have this third silo you said uh, technology uh, as well as uh, what else
5: yeah so fashion business and technology that's what we're really um, pushing for we want to create awareness um, about all those different um, you know platforms those uh, those are the three main pillars to our event so technology kind of comes into our event in different ways so we actually do feature Tech startups on the runway, which is something unique about us. Do you have and Apple on
2: with their little watch?
5: Um, no, I don't, actually. <laughs>
2: they're, they're not
3: exactly a startup <laughs> anymore. We'll yeah,
5: they're not quite a startup. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but we do, have, um, that one. <laughs> we do have some really cool. <laughs> but they're cool industry experts. <laughs> yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> right they are. Now. Absolutely. Nope, nope. Yeah, absolutely. Nice we you could squeeze them. You could squeeze them you on can, the sh- Yeah, the show. definitely. Wow. They would ha- absolutely um, fit in. Um, we have had Telus before as part of our platform a couple of years ago, which was pretty exciting.
2: Like wearables. They, uh, it's yeah. Yeah, a category so that Jack and I are very much aware of. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have uh, Camillo. He's one of our analysts, consumer analysts, and he speaks about is it Nike wearables, right? Uh, and I don't think they've really take uh, picked up a lot of traction. The, the one that that out of the park, of course, again was that Apple Watch yeah. and the fact that it can uh, take your EKG, I believe it is electrocardiogram graph, mm-hmm. um, and monitor your heart rate. Revolutionary. Oh, absolutely! Uh, with how, is, how they yeah. pull that thing off. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, from a fashion item, it's 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 okay, yeah. uh, the, the watch itself. Uh, but how far the industry is going to gonna take technology into garments, I don't know.
5: It's I'm, hard a to skept- say. I'm a skeptic It's that. hard to say, but there's definitely some really cool things happening. Um, like what? Here in Toronto, we have a um, tech startup called Seam. And what they have done is they've developed a device that pairs up with an app And um, the device is actually called Lotus. And it's just a very small device that you can wear on your shirt. Um, It's very indiscreet. And it pairs with their their app. And what you do is you pre-program all of your emergency contacts into the app. And the device, you can voice activate it to record any audio at any given time. You can also activate it to contact your emergency um, numbers in your phone without anyone realizing that's what you're doing. And it will automatically send your, your exact GPS location to all of your emergency contacts and also send them any audio recording as well. So it's a pretty cool device.
2: And so, I'm sorry, is it built into the garment or you put it on top? Or-
5: yeah, you just wear, it's like a little um, circle device. Oh. Also, small, I, cause I'm, I'm thinking indiscreet. Star Trek right now. Yeah, like, like the little Star Trek <laughs> thing. You know, you
3: tap your... Exactly, yeah. What's the price yeah. point of this? Because uh, my wife's always saying, you know, our, our kids are going to need smartphones soon. They're only like seven years old. I'm like, you know what? This might actually be a good idea for kids.
5: Yeah, You're going to leapfrog the star smartphone to this product? Is that what you
3: want to do, Do oh, you well, your want your to be a doctor? I want to find out what the price point is first.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, they're just rolling it out. So this is a new device um, that they just have launched, um, I believe, this year. So I believe they had a, a campaign for it um, to raise money and to get some pre-orders um, in. But it's relatively inexpensive. Like, so what's it I would called say again? under $200. Um, it's called Seam is the company. Seam. Seam technology, yeah. And the device that you would wear is actually called a load.
2: It's called a lotus.
5: Yeah. So it's made by Seam.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Sir, so what is a lotus? I'm an ignorant question. Is it a spider? A lotus? What is a lotus? A bug? I know the lotus car. I know it's a vehicle. Yeah, it was a car. Yeah, no, what is a lotus? Oh, no, it's one, a lotus. Uh, that's a locust. I'm thinking locust. I'd uh, kill your crops. I'm going to have to Google that. What's a lotus? Um, well, I, I, I'm into fashion. And so we got Jody Goodfellow in studio. She's the founder of Startup Fashion Week. Uh, if you're into fashion, if you are a young designer, um, if you're deep into fashion you can help, uh, I think this may be the event to go to. Oh, uh, What's your website?
5: It's startupfashionweek.com.
2: startupfashionweek.com. Check that out. Uh, we're going to bring Jody Goodfellow back into the studio after we pay some bills around here at Hi-Fi Radio.
1: Money. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. <laughs>
2: Welcome back. We found out the answer. Uh, Brittany the Butcher, she's our producer in the studio at Hi-Fi Radio. Just after that last segment, she jumped out and said, it's a flower. I said, what? Huh? The lotus. It's a flower. Ah, okay. Now we know what it is. Lotus is a flower. You know, I'll tell you what flower I'm very intrigued by. Is that Venus flytrap. you ever seen one of those puppies? Venus flytrap? Oh my god uh, if i were to create a device i think i might call it a venus flytrap. really i think i would turn some heads or not <laughs> uh yes jody Goodfellow startup fashion week founder you founder you're also a teacher by the way i don't know how I you really yeah absolutely well i
5: think it speaks true to you know what i do a lot of startup entrepreneurs they have a full-time job as well as their you know business that they're trying to launch on the side so um so that that's definitely something that um, I can relate to for sure because I've been teaching for 19 years as a high school teacher in Toronto but also running Startup Fashion Week um, as a side business as well.
3: So you said as your first adventure into uh, fashion it was a failure. Yes. All right so I'm sure that lots of people have the same experience. Most entrepreneurs have multiple failures before they're successful so Absolutely. it's good that you're back on your feet doing something else mm-hmm. and obviously learning from it. So what do you bring to these people that come to Fashion Week that, uh, that you can teach them I guess?
5: Well, um, I really am trying to instill in, particularly with designers, um, I'm really trying to encourage them to change their mindset, to, to realize that they are entrepreneurs, not just creators, um, because that's what they need to do in order for their business to take off and grow. Um, because a lot of designers, they're very creative and they don't have a a full grasp in terms of what it takes to run a business. So that's what I'm trying to do is help them understand the business side of running a fashion business, because it is challenging. And um, it's, you know, it's a very hard market to be successful in because it's very competitive, right? So
3: Wolfgang and I are uh, when we invest, we're big guys into brands, We have a lot of respect for brands, Um, brands have a lot of power, and they demand pricing uh, power because of that. So uh, in terms of branding um, uh, your clients or people that come to Fashion Week, um, what what do you tell them about that? How how do they get their fashion out there and get the the right brand image? Actually, um,
5: we have one of our speakers at the Business of Fashion Conference this year is going to be from Jackknife, and um, they do a lot of branding. They help a lot of startups with their branding. And um, so that's part of what I've built with this platform is, you know, being able to uh, tap into the right resources. Um, a lot of people in the industry, they don't know who to go to for things like branding or PR, marketing, social media help. All that stuff is all new because as an entrepreneur, you have to wear a so many different hats and when you're a creator and you're trying to create product it's hard for you to sort of manage all of those different roles as you know the business owner um, so we bring in speakers and experts to help them understand all these different this these different um aspects of running a business so um, so yeah one of our speakers uh, from jackknife he's going to be talking about branding in particular
2: you know what's exciting I me, and because I actually worked on a fashion show, um, or actually a couple really? of these, yeah, uh, close to the edge. It was called. I used to be I used to be in broadcasting, and uh, so the radio station I worked for actually put a fashion show on. It's called Close to the Edge. Okay. Uh, speaking in the nineties, and it was actually over at the, uh, uh King Street, the, the big auditorium there, um, the O'Keefe Center. Uh, what's it called on uh, King and by the CBC building? Help me out here. Help me out here. Roy Thompson. Help, Hall? Thank you. Oh, <laughs> Roy Thompson Hall. Um, And I'll tell you what I learned from that event is how complicated.
5: It's very complicated. And
2: difficult and expensive and yeah. tedious.
5: Nobody wants my job, trust me. No, 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 no I, 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 I'm speaking
2: about just putting on a fashion exactly. show. Yeah. I have experience. I know how difficult that is. I also work with uh, a good friend of mine called Northbound Leather. Mm-hmm. Northbound Leather used to put on a massive fetish ball each fall, uh, October. Uh, over over at the uh, the docks, which is now called something else. I'm not going to date myself again. Um, <laughs> 2,000 people would attend. And, yeah. and I would work directly with George. Uh, at the time, he was a client of mine for a marketing perspective and I saw how difficult and expensive it was it's to put on. very expensive. But, but you're not just doing a, doing a fashion show on Friday which I want to go to by the way. Yeah. But more point, I want to go to the designer dinner. It's an invite only. How do we get in? <laughs> uh, like Jack and I know people IEU you, uh, Jody Goodfellow Startup Fashion Week founder. Um, that sounds like a fun event but putting on a, a conference a business conference that in itself is a full time job. It I, is. I, I know companies who do one or two a year, a year they have yeah. a couple of full time staff remember they work on that project all year long. Yeah, you're a full time teacher. I'm a full time teacher. No, I'm definitely yeah.
5: It's uh, this is something I do. I mean, luckily I don't have you know kids of my own, so I have time after school weekends. I that's, that's when I get everything done. Um, it, it is very complicated. It's very time-consuming, um, especially for this year because we also launched in Montreal as well. I saw well. that. So
2: three-day sold-out event in Montreal. Exactly. You're doing something, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and
5: it's amazing. People don't realize that, you know, with just a three-day event, it takes six months of planning. I, I, I know that. Right? You know, Wolf, I mean, Wolf you know that. Wolf but knows that. It's very complicated. There's a lot of logistics involved. And like you say, it is definitely, um, you do have to raise a lot of funds through sponsorship and uh, through ticket sales. You're always crossing your fingers because everyone tends to buy their tickets last minute. So, so, so. I want to ask
2: you that question then if I may. How many exhibitors, uh, how many actual events or breakouts at the uh, show and and what has been your greatest attendance so far for you've now done this what for this year year four yeah
5: this is year five for us year in five. toronto so, yeah, so, you're exactly. greatest so
2: if you great yeah. attendance exhibitors good tenants
5: yeah we well over the course of the week because our we don't have you know a huge runway show every day so our our capacity is different at each event mm-hmm. um but generally we get over a, we we get about 800 people per week um, coming out to all the opening parties, the runway show, the conferences, et cetera. Um, in Montreal, we had about 600 because it was only three days. And
2: any big names from Toronto?
5: Um, big names from yeah, Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Are going to be at your event from Toronto? Yeah, to absolutely. Through, through, through. We, little, we little have plug. Devo
5: Brown, who's going to be hosting the runway show, which we're super excited about. You have Devo Brown. Devo Brown, wow. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, he's going to be the ho- host of our runway show this year on October 19th. Sounds like fun. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. How long um, is, How long
2: is the actual show? The, the actual remember. show.
5: So we do things a little differently. At other fashion weeks, each designer gets their own show, and then there's a break in between. Um, at our show, it's one continuous show, so everybody gets to see all of the designers. Um, so, so start you, to finish, how long from will that be? start to finish, so about an hour and a half. That's long. Wow. It's long, but the thing is, is it's it's really exciting because each of our designers offers something completely different. So everybody's excited for the next one to show.
2: That sounds like a great yeah. event. It really, really does. Uh, and sorry, what's the venue? It's going to be held at?
5: It's going to be at Daniel Spectrum this year on October nineteenth.
2: Where is so Where is Daniel Spectrum? Daniel Spectrum. It's
5: in Regent Park. Oh. Yeah, yeah. A, it's a great yeah, they, area. They, they've
2: revitalized that area. Absolutely. Big time.
5: Yeah. And actually, the CEO of Artscape, who owns Daniel Spectrum, he's going to be walking our show.
2: Is that right? Yeah,
5: yeah. He's going to be walking for one of our designers, Bennett Bespoke.
2: Oh, Bespoke. That's yeah. A good word. Yeah. Um, Jody Goodfellow, I wish you great success with your event this year, your fifth uh, annual startup fashion week in Toronto, uh, October 15th to 19th. If you're interested in fashion, you want to learn more, you know, somebody needs some help. Uh, this may be the event to go to, and I want to thank you very, very kindly. Well, we're going to remain in the level of enthusiasm from fashion to oil. Now oil's fun too. Uh, (laughs) Joe, now you're smiling at me from electric cars (laughs) to fashion to oil. It's everything here on IFI radio is full of surprises, my good friend. So please stay tuned for Rafi Tamazian and and he is amazing. He's out in Alberta and he knows what's going on in the energy patch. Lots to talk about with the new LNG facility, Built by Shell and uh, the Trans Mountain, still get no love. Uh, so uh, give and take, I guess. Raph is going to give us up the speed in the energy market right after this.
1: Making money is the best. So, how do you make more money? Life would be sunny. Plenty of money Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
4: Listen to my story about a man named Jed A poor mountaineer barely kept his family fed And then one day he was shooting at some food
2: And up through the ground come a bubble and crude oil, laddie Yes, it is. Black gold. Uh, Not always. uh, Boy, if you're a Canadian oil producer, I don't think you refer to oil as black gold. I just read that Canadian oil producers, when they're producing heavy oil, uh, which is bitumen, eh? Uh, they're getting a $40 discount to what NYMEX trades at. So, NYMEX crude is what the Americans trade uh, their energy barrels at around 73 74 bucks a barrel right now i believe uh brent of course is stuff that trades in europe that's about 82 bucks but canadian oil by the time you ship it down they're getting 30 dollars a barrel um it, 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 it's it's astounding um and shell canada announced uh, a big lng facility and going to be built in british columbia so we can uh Liquefy all that excess natural gas that we have, and send it into Asia, and receive about I don't know eight seventy five per BTU versus under three bucks if you left the stuff here in Canada. So uh, it sounds like a triple to the producers there if you're involved in uh, the natural gas. Now, yeah, it's, we it's, have, a, it's yeah. a
3: massive project too. So uh, it's a forty it's a, billion. I think project. it's the largest uh, Lo- Canadian infrastructure project in history if it goes through. Because there's been a lot of restrictions and a lot of uh, noise around the space. So uh, I, I would assume there's got to be some permits that have to get. Approved and uh, some, uh, some government consultations. So hopefully they can actually get this one across the finish line.
2: Well, you know something, Jack? I'm glad you asked the question because I got uh, Rafi Tamazian on the line with us right now. He's in Alberta. Rafi Tamazian has been on Hi Fire Radio many times. He is uh, an oil expert extraordinaire. Uh, he manages hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in energy related uh, investments, primarily stocks, uh, and he's a director at Canoe Energy. Uh, Rafi Tamazian, uh, welcome back to Hi Fire Radio, my friend.
0: Thank you for having
2: me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. So let's start with, because as soon as I heard the or read the headline, um, Shell Canada developing a $40 billion LNG facility in British Columbia, I immediately thought about you because uh, we spoke about LNG, liquefying natural gas and putting it on a tanker and shipping it to another continent uh, as really being the only way to uh, make sense of this resource. You've been frustrated and frustrated that there's been no progress made on it. And bingo, uh, 40 Bilski uh, being invested in uh, BC. So what do you think?
0: So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a worst kept secret, I guess. We kind of knew it was coming and the only thing that was going to derail it was if government interfered the wrong way, um, which in this day and age, you never know. So um, it was probably more an announcement that it wasn't an announcement that they were going to do it. It was an announcement that the government wasn't going to interfere.
2: Well, Trudeau, but Trudeau actually got behind it, did he not? He, I wouldn't say didn't stay, stay aside. He actually
0: got, well, when they know it's moving
2: forward, they don't have a choice, but to get behind it,
3: I think, especially you, you when they're, rem- they're creating this many jobs.
0: Yeah, you got to remember that uh, it has nothing to do with the oil patch, this one. Right. This is about creating jobs. The gas is already captured by the producers that are building it. There's no gas that's going to get pulled out of the system. Um, this is a situation where I've heard a lot of Canadians uh, similar statement to yours, that Trudeau was behind this. And Trudeau helped get it across the finish line. And Christy Clark yesterday was interviewed by a TV station that was saying, you know, this shows the importance of how, you know, you, you, you know how government needs to be involved to get these projects done. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> as an Albertan, I guess, maybe, I like to call myself as a Canadian, even I like to think that we don't need government to help us with private business. Regulators are supposed to be independent and not uh, not have political persuasion. And judicial committees are not supposed to have political persuasion. And they're supposed to make decisions independent of political parties that go come and go. And this government has interfered on the Senate, on the government, uh, on, on sorry, on the courts and in regulation to shape it to their political persuasion.
2: Okay, Rafi you. Tamezian is on the line. He's a portfolio manager. He basically <laughs> manages energy, uh, stocks and bonds uh, for Jack and I, I mainly stocks. Um, and, and you're not excited, Rafi, about this. I thought you'd be pretty darn excited about this. No. The Trans Mountain Project. Do you want me to really get you stirred up? Let's talk about the Trans Mountain Project. Well, but,
0: but, they, but they, they're related because this, this deal got approved before this government really got in, in power. It, it, it was already well completed. The, the, one of the partners in it is Petronas, they tried to do their own project and they were behind shell and couldn't get it done because of the regulations that got implemented by the liberal government. Now, Trans Mountain is the the way later in the hopper and it's going to be susceptible to all of these regulations and, um, and this, these hurdles that are making it even more difficult. And, The other way to look at it is this new Bill C-69 that they're going to implement that's supposed to be this new regulatory way of getting approved these major projects. The LNG Canada facility, we never would have gotten passed. It never would have been done. And so if they implement that, then that'll be probably the last one we'll see done. Um, You know, they have very ambiguous statements in it, like what's the downstream effect of the the project you're building? (laughs) It's impossible to calculate that. And it's impossible to understand what they think is tolerant or not. So we've, we've, we have, this is a, this is a project, um, the LNG project that is going to create great jobs for a lot of, for a few years.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: It'll shrink once it's built and that's, but th- th- it's a project that, that um, will take gas that's already existing out. Um, but In the case of Trans Mountain, um, you know, you said it at the beginning of your show the, The issue here is the price of the oil sands oil that we're getting.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Rafi, uh, Brittany the Butcher, our producer here, she's pointing at me. We have to go to commercial break here. Uh, maybe a Petro-Canada commercial has to air. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, look, a couple minutes, my good friend. I want to get right back to you and talk to you a little bit more about uh, yeah. Albertan Oil and good golly, how those poor guys, your, your, your poor neighbors can get a little bit more money per buck per barrel uh, right after this.
1: Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
2: I couldn't do that. But uh, we have Rafi Tamazian on the line with us. He's out in Alberta um he's not in the oil patch but uh, he certainly understands the oil patch real well as he's a portfolio manager and director at canoe energy uh, jack and i own the canoe energy mutual fund for our clients we tend to buy stocks and bonds directly but there's some sectors that have more nuances and a little more challenging uh, and that's why i have to bring in experts every now that's what raffi does to have raffi tamazian um so uh, first of all uh, raffi in terms of labor rates just just for fun because of the johnny cash song what would a roughneck make uh,
0: in the patch t- today for them to change careers, become a
2: roughneck how much?
0: Yeah, it varies quite a bit. Um, that's a good question, I guess. But what you got to understand is they um, it's a combination of things. It's You work quite uh, usually when you're out in the field. So these guys will be out working uh, two weeks on, two weeks off, or three weeks on, one week off. And I'll, I'd be surprised if they're not pulling in um, anywhere, but de- depending on if it's specialized uh, basic, even basic specialized labor, you could be up to 60, 70, $80 an hour, I'm sure.
2: Wow. You know, that that, that be... challenges Amazon's 15 an hour raise that they just gave all their well, I eh?
0: mean, it's like I said, you're, you're, it, it could be, that's getting more specialized. I think your basic tool push is still going to be doing pretty good at, uh, 20, 25 to 30 bucks an hour. But, um, but you're, yeah, I mean, Amazon, that's, that's, you know, driving a car, I guess. I'm I say there's
3: a lot of experience and specialty and danger actually in the oil patch. You've seen that with some of the disasters that we've seen in some of the yeah. oil wells. So it's a, uh, there is some danger pay involved with that
0: for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to a certain degree. and But it's, it's a, it, look, they're going to get, um, this has all been done through, uh, this is going to be done with unions as well. And there's going to be controls there
3: to yeah, get yeah. With,
0: you know their fair share their pound of flesh yeah
3: for sure. So Rafi, uh, oil is breaking out uh, globally uh, anyways. Um, it's at a four-year high. I think it just uh, bested I think seventy over seventy dollars anyways for WTI. Uh, you say, I say mean, that Canada. think yeah. Yes, Canada's not at the party right now. Uh, what's it going to take for us to actually get there and start participating?
0: Yeah, we won't participate in this cycle. There's no way we will because the, the lead time to fix the problem is going to take years, not months. So it's highly unlikely that this cycle will last that long. So,
2: When do you think um, this cycle ends, Rafi? this oil cycle? Because we're not participating the, in the rising market right now. So yeah, I, when does this puppy end?
0: There's two ways the oil cycle ends. One is a global economic slowdown, then it kills your demand fast, right? Yep. The other one that could do it is probably the the other extreme, and that's that Canadian, that, that oil prices ratchet too high because we have no supply globally, and we and we don't slow that demand down. And what'll happen first is there'll be uh, they'll go everybody'll go from anti energy oil to realizing they're all addicted to it, and they'll say, "Give us more, give us more." I mean, Trump's saying, "Give us more to Saudi," and Saudi's going, "I got none. There isn't any more supply globally for the amount of oil demand growth." We we. We grow by 1.4 million barrels a day. I know. Per year, it's amazing.
2: Right, so and Rafi, let's re- let's repeat the numbers because it's a big number. Are we at the 100 million barrel a day consumption on this planet?
0: Give or take a million yeah. barrels a day. It's yeah. moving around a little bit, but for, for for ease, say 100 million barrels, and we've been adding 1.4 million barrels a day per year. For the last seven years, yeah,
2: we just we just had a, a lithium guest on uh, talking about lithium and electrifying cars and all that good stuff. That does not threaten your oil thesis at all, does it?
0: They've not even a drop in the bucket. And that's that that fallacy went away last year when, and that that, that kind of realization when the numbers got put to paper. But um, so we are we are that 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 is the problem in Canada though the differential won't go away. Regardless, because our lead time to build the pipes to get our oil out is going to take years. And so, you know, the the U.S. index Dow is reaching record highs and the Canadian the Canadian the Canadian uh, general equities index is down this year. It's
2: down one percent. Yeah. Not participating. marijuana Marijuana can't do it on its own, my good friend.
0: Well, but see, if the if the world is growing, and especially our biggest consumer that we uh, are next to that uses our resources is growing, we usually benefit, always benefit from it. So yes, why
2: usually, are maybe a good point because we we just came through this old NAFTA negotiation, which is now Mexico Canada, you know, U.S. Mexico Canada deal. And do you ever hear oil come up in the conversation? No, never talked about oil. Talked about auto parts. Talked about dairy. Didn't talk about oil. Left our oil alone. Why? Because they're ripping us off. Yeah? am I wrong? Yeah, am they, I wrong, they, Raffy?
0: they they have absolutely no problem not interfering yeah. with the oil. they're,
2: they're all alone. We a forty dollars discount. <laughs> Canadians,
0: uh, my like, good God. You know, and so it, it's just if you know, if we were participating in that growth of that country, yeah, uh, that would mean they'd be pulling more on our resources, and they'd be we we would be able to deliver it to the proper places, and our our index would be higher. Uh, Oh. much higher yeah, as a result. Higher. So we'd,
2: we'd be richer. We're, we're,
0: all, we're all getting hit, seeing the effects of this, and you wouldn't know it.
2: No, you Trudeau, wouldn't.
0: Trudeau talks like everything is great. NAFTA was a great success in this big billion, multi-billion dollar project, and this is all great, and Canadian, Canada's in good shape, and investment's good. Well, wait a minute. Nobody's made any money in the market.
2: In the oil market, In yeah, the, and and the stock, U.S., stock our
0: market. big, huge animal partner to the south is... It's just, it's a party
2: going on. It's now. a party. You know, and that's why, such, as as, invest, uh, as portfolio managers, Jack and I have tilted our portfolios towards the American market. And fortunately, we are making money because we're along that market. That party will stop too at some point. But the way things are looking, it's, it's, it continues to rise. Look, Rafi Tamazian, portfolio manager and director at Canoe Energy, it's always a pleasure to have your uh, oil expertise shared with our audience on Hi Fi Radio. We greatly appreciate that. And we wish you a happy Thanksgiving giving um yeah uh may your belly be full uh, wanna i want to thank you, for, you i want to thank you all for tuning into hi-fi radio thank you to jack hartle for supporting the cause as always and britney the butcher did a very very fine job uh putting us onto tape today i want to wish you all a good weekend and say thank you